Welcome now to the Axis Utah Holiday Special. What you're hearing right there is the Lightwood Duo, Mike Christiansen on guitar, Eric Nelson on clarinet. We'll hear from those uh, gentlemen as well as uh, readings for the season by author of the Christmas Chronicles, playwright uh, Tim Slover. We'll have some uh, music for the Christmas season. Um, also wonderful stories, humorous and uh, poignant it's uh, a wonderful time of year and wonderful time to welcome in the Lightwood duo, which is Mike Christiansen. Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having us. Uh, so, uh, Mike, you're uh, now retired guitar professor at Utah State University. I've retired from that part, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although the, the, the gigging, I'm sure, is still, uh, you're, you're very busy. Pretty active, doing the performances and clinics and, and that type of stuff. So yeah. It's great. Uh, your partner there in uh, Lightwood Duo, Eric Nelson. Um, Eric Nelson also retired. That's right. That's right. Um, so you, you middle school, was it? I taught uh, at Spring Creek Middle School in yeah. Providence for many decades. Yeah, lucky students there, yeah. Um, and you're, you're playing gigs all over the, the place, I'm sure, as well. Lots of different groups and bands and opportunities, yep. Yeah. And uh, with me in this studio, by the way, we're, we're spread across four studios right now for this program. With me in this studio is Tim Slover, who's a USU uh, playwright professor, right? theater professor. University of Utah. Uh, yes. uni- yeah. uh, what did I say? You said USU. Uh, I said I USU. Like I could be an honored, you know, <laughs> they, honored honorary. That's yeah. right. You've been coming doing this program long enough. Yeah, we do, exactly. we do want to honor you with that. University of Utah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, theater professor, so you teach playwriting and uh, various other things. Dramatic literature, take, a, take students to London. Yeah. I'm still in that awkward pre-retired stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're waiting to join uh, Mike and, Mike and Eric. Step. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me ask you, Lightwood, are you still playing airport during the holiday season? Yes, we are. Yeah, uh, Eric was in Savannah doing some uh, things there, visiting family and playing some stuff. And so I played the Thanksgiving thing uh, alone this year, did a solo thing, did the 12-hour shift. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's four three-hour sets. And uh, it's the only gig I play all year. My fingers get a little sore. Mm. And then uh, we're playing Christmas Eve. We do six hours on Christmas Eve. We start at 6.30 in the morning and play for the rush there at uh, Christmas Eve and then get home for the for family. And this is to, to ease the troubled souls of the, of the travelers. Yeah, it, it's amazing the difference it makes. Uh, you can see, just in their countenance, you can see a change when they walk in and they hear the music. Yeah. I uh, should mention, uh, Tim Slover is uh, author of the Christmas Chronicles, and we have that wonderful radio series uh, on uh, UPR starting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I'm thrilled. Uh, Thank you very is, much. This was written for radio, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with uh, Walter Rudolph. Right. Another retired gentleman who's still, right. still active. He is. He is. I hear from him from time to time. Uh, he, uh, the last plan, he was going to tour uh, opera places in, in Europe. I think his bucket list is endless. Yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, let's, uh, like we do, let's uh, j- jump into a little bit of music. What are we going to hear? A little uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
That was a beautiful gentleman. Uh, Okama Okama Manuel. Yes. Uh, did uh, I imagine you, there's a mix? You, do you do some of the arrangements or uh, you get arrangements? Yeah, we do all of the arrangements. There's not a lot of writing going on for this combination. Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah, true. We, we do all of, the, all of the arranging. That brings up a question. I'm sure I've asked you gentlemen this before, but uh, guitar and clarinet, it is a somewhat unusual uh, arrangement. How did you guys get together? It, uh, we just worked on it uh, together a couple of three, four decades ago. In the early 90s, we were playing in a rock band together, a band called Mirage, and I was playing saxophone and keyboard in that band. And then Mike was playing some solo guitar gigs at the Cottonwood Country Club in Salt Lake City. And I had always wanted to get back to playing my major instrument, which is clarinet. So we started getting together and doing jazz arrangements and things with guitar and clarinet. Really liked the sound. Mm. Took it to the Cottonwood Club, and they liked it, and the rest is history. And then a lady asked us uh, what kind of music we played. She was booking us for an event, and uh, we were just barely starting up. And I said, well, we play a lot of different genres of jazz. We play some some rock tunes with the duo. We play some uh, Dixieland. We play show tunes. We play Latin. Uh, but we don't do... Uh, a lot of heavy metal tunes, so <laughs> we thought the opposite of heavy metal would be light du- lightwood. Light, lightwood, yeah. Well, that's so, how the name came about. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's good. I wondered about that. Yeah. By the way, can can we still get Mirage albums? Or do you uh, lightwood duo CDs? We lightwood do have duo. those available at the website lightwoodduo.com. Lightwoodduo.com, <laughs> but no Mirage stuff out there. No. Okay. No. Lightwoodduo.com. Um, by the way, Eric, uh, I <clears throat> failed to mention that you were on clarinet. I think people would have figured that out, probably, that it's... I hope it sounds like a clarinet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, whatever it is, beautiful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, gentlemen. Let's, uh, let's hear uh, a couple of readings from Tim Slover. What well, do you have for us? Uh, Okama Okama Emanuel, so beautifully rendered, uh, is an old, old tune. So let's start in the Middle Ages mm. uh, um, with two pieces. Uh, the first is a recipe. That comes uh, from 1384. Uh, it's English, and uh, the only word in it that I think um, people might not know, at least I didn't and had to look it up, is the word force meat, force meat, which is actually just combining meat and fat and seasonings and grinding it all up together. So this is recipe for Christmas pate, 1384. Take pheasant, boar, and chicken or capon of each one, with two partridges and two pigeons. Smite them in pieces and pick clean away therefrom all the bones that you can. Therewith do into a paste made craftily in the likeness of a bird's body with the livers, hearts, and two kidneys of sheep and force meat and eggs made into balls. Cast thereto powder of pepper, salt, spice, vinegar, and fungus pickled. Then take the bones and let them seethe in a pot to make a good broth for it. Stick the head of one of the birds at one end of the paste and a great tail at the other. Take divers of his long feathers and set them in cunningly all about him. <laughs> so I'm sure that's when we'll all be doing this Christmas. <laughs> and uh, uh, modern recipes don't have you smite as, as much. Not so much smiting. Yeah. No. That, what is that's the Middle Ages somewhere? Mm-hmm. 1384, 1384 in 1384. Wow. So Chaucer yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would have been in Middle English, but it's right. rendered here. Smite stays the same, though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, Tom Hodgkinson uh, is not from the Middle Ages, but he writes about the Middle Ages. Um, He's the author also of a book called How to Be Free, and he's the editor of a periodical called The Idler. And both of these are dedicated to the proposition that we work too hard and too frantically. So he advocates a relaxed approach to life, enjoying it as it comes rather than toiling for an imagined better future. If we want to follow that philosophy at Christmas time, which Hodgkinson wholeheartedly advocates, we need to look to the Middle Ages, he says. So this is a piece, uh, an excerpt from Tom Hodgkinson's I'm Dreaming of a Medieval Christmas. The medieval culture as a whole was less work-oriented. At Christmas, work was canceled for a full 12 days or more from 25 December until Plow Monday. People needed cheering up in the depths of winter. To take 12 days off for drinking, watching plays, and general partying was a way of coping with the hardships of the season. 
In essence, to get the spirit of Christmas right, we need to go back to 1450 or before. For a very modest outlay, we could literally celebrate like kings. The necessary elements are huge quantities of booze, preferably spiced wine or punch from a communal punch bowl, large quantities of people, a complete suspension of work for at least 12 days, and that means switch off the phones, large numbers of candles, and lots of dancing and singing. As far as food goes, how about that exotic fruit, the orange, which of course was exotic in the Middle Ages? Swans were a common feature of the medieval banquet, as were venison, goose, and woodcock. If you have the funds, then hire a musician. But better still, gather around the piano, bring the ukulele, or ask the guitar-playing teenager to learn some Christmas ditties so everyone can have a sing-song. Fill the house with holly, ivy, rosemary, and bays. Play cards. Play board games. Pass round the wassail bowl. Be generous. As the early Tudor husbandry expert Thomas Tusser put it, at Christmas we banquet the rich with the poor, who then but the miser but openeth his door. Open your doors, be merry, dance, drink too much, fall over. It's the true spirit of Christmas. (laughs) Very good. And again, the, the author? Tom Hodgkinson. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's hear some more music. What are we going to hear next? Well, a little Be Merry and Dance music. So this is uh, Christmas in Killarney and a blend of that and I Saw Three Ships. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, is that uh, was that penny whistle? It's a penny. Well, it's a nine ninety five whistle now. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a clarinet anyway. So. <laughs> uh, beautifully done. Beautifully done. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, by the way, I want to ask uh, the three of you uh, what uh, what sort of we we opened with a food piece, uh, albeit from the Middle Ages. What uh, what what kind of foods goes on, uh, Mike, in your house during Christmas? Well, the one thing that we do that's kind of unique, we have a big Christmas dinner, but we celebrate a Danish Christmas, very Danish. And so um, for our dessert at that dinner, we have a rice pudding, uh, and then there's a nut buried in that pudding. And uh, no one knows who has the nut, so uh, and you have to kind of keep it a secret as you're eating the pudding. And then the person with the nut is revealed at the end of the pudding, and that person gets a special gift and has good luck for the year. All right. Very good. <laughs> That's a wonderful tradition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, what about you? Oh, well, we, too, do that part of the Danish Christmas. We do the rice pudding with the nut in it. And then sometimes we like to try to get away from the more traditional turkey or ham and that and maybe do a nice roast beef. But, of course, we always need good homemade pies. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, you, you. You can't get away with without those. Uh, Tim Slover, what about you? you uh, my my mother's family uh, came from Northampton in England, and so um, it's always baffled me as a, as a boy. But our Christmas Eve meal was always seafood because um, I'd never been to Northampton. I had no mm-hmm. idea where this came from. But so we had oyster stew, uh, and and still do mm. uh, for for Christmas Eve, and uh, other sort of noxious. <laughs> kind of seafood items like cod's row and things like that. I've, I've come to love it now. <laughs> uh, a family tradition from, right, from tradition. way back. Yeah, from, yeah. from back before I knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, and those are, those are good. Have, so have you adopted that? Uh, yeah, we have, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, we throw in a few more, you know, some shrimp and things like yeah. that that are a little more user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's hear another uh, piece, Tim. All right. This is a, a short one. Um, I have a talented friend whose name is Jackie Tateishi. Uh, she's in radio also. Uh, among other marvels, she produces a family newspaper. Uh, and the newspaper is called May's Messenger after her, her little daughter, May, who's about five years old. I think six years old now. In this year's special holiday edition of The Messenger, editor Jackie asks her reporter daughter, May, to get the scoop on the birth of Jesus. Here is May's exclusive in her admirably terse, get-to-the-point New York Times style. When Jesus was born, first thing they did was Mary hopped on a donkey and they walked to Bethlehem. And they knocked on everybody's door to see if they had room to stay, but not anybody had room. But there was a stable with a star in the top. It was called a manger where animals eat hay and it was their home. They decided that none of the animals were eating any of the hay, so they laid baby Jesus down after he got born. And the shepherds and angels and wise men and everything, they came to the stable, and some of them bringed presents for the baby Jesus. There was oil and gold, and there was lots of different stuff. Okay, now I want to talk about Santa. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, how old is May? I think she's six this year. Six, okay. That, yeah, that, that fits. That fits. <laughs> she went, she went, she, she's heard the story. Yeah. Of Jesus. Yeah. Now let's get to Santa. Now let's get to Santa. Yeah. <laughs> At least some of us gotten through to her. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, Jackie Tateishi, I happen to know, this, was involved with Christmas Chronicles. She was. She talented was, producer. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. So that's from, uh, the, what do they call it, Maze Chronicle? Maze, uh, Maze Messenger. Maze Messenger. Wonderful. I kind of want to subscribe now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lightwood Duo, what, what do we hear next? We'd like to do something that goes way back to the 1960s. Uh, sometime during that decade, the, uh, some television executives decided it would be nice to have a Charlie Brown or a Peanuts Christmas kind of thing. They thought that it might be a hit for a year or two and then fade out of sight, but they were smart and uh, commissioned a great jazz pianist to write the music for it, a guy named Vince Garaldi. And uh, it seems like the music and the animated special have lasted clear until now. So we'd like to do a couple of tunes from the Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas Time is Here, and then the waltz called Skating. Thank you. 
Beautiful, beautiful. That was the Lightwood duo uh, playing music of Vince Guaraldi uh, for the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas. And Eric, as you mentioned, they, they sometimes they get it right, right? They, they went to Vince Guaraldi for the, for the music. Smart move. Yeah, that's it's lasted. Of course, the specials have lasted, but the music especially has lasted. I think so, yes. Uh, so if you just joined us, we're, you're listening to the Access Utah Holiday Special, and uh, we have Lightwood Duo, which is Mike Christiansen on guitar, Eric Nelson on clarinet, and in studio we have uh, University of Utah theater professor Tim Slover uh, with us. So Lightwood Duo, you get the stuff at lightwoodduo.com, right? Right. Uh, you get recordings and, and such. Yeah. Thank you for the plug, Tom. That's <laughs> uh, so for a playwright, Tim Slover, I don't know, you have to go to the performances. Do you do. have anything on stage? I don't. I don't uh, know. I'm sorry. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, people could uh, check out Christmas Chronicles, though. You they still, could. Still they, the books out there. The, the books are and there. the tapes, yeah. You could certainly listen right here on this radio station. Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Uh, you do take students to London. True, right. And uh, it's not holiday e, but I was interested before we went on the air, uh, you brought up Brexit. Brexit's going to affect everything, including theater. It will. I think so. And uh, uh, it makes – so far the pound's going up. That's that's not good for us, Um, but it's good for the British people probably, so that's good. And we hope that at least that trend continues moderately. And, of course, subject matter, you know, um, already in the three-year period leading up to what's going to happen on January 31st, um, playwrights have taken notice, and there have been some very interesting work done. And I think that's going to continue. Uh, is there uh, anything in the theater world that you're working on at this point? Are you uh, concentrating I, your students right now? Or? Uh, that's Yes. I mean, what I'm doing right now is selecting mm-hmm. plays from students uh, that are going to be workshop next semester. Yeah, wonderful. And there's, a, again... Uh, there's amazing talent out there. I've become entirely redundant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the job of a theater professor. I hope so. Yeah. 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 It's wonderful. Uh, what's, what's the next reading? Christmas 1945. In 1945, a young American army officer was ordered to Frankfurt, Germany. He had converted to the LDS Church six years earlier. This is from the journal of Robert H. Slover, My Father. This memorable Christmas was in Germany immediately after World War II ended. The war ended in the summer of 1945, and a few weeks later, I found myself with four other Mormon brethren, all officers in the U.S. Army in the city of Frankfurt, Germany, or what was left of Frankfurt. We were there as part of the Occupation Army, an army that had defeated Nazi Germany. In the process, many of the cities and towns had been bombed and destroyed, The German economy was wrecked, and the people of Germany were hungry, cold, and most of them had a hopeless outlook on life. Everything they had was gone. When we Mormons arrived in Frankfurt, we immediately started looking for the German members of the church. Frankfurt had been a mission headquarters. Even though there was a strict law against fraternization with the German people, we sought for and found the mission home. It was still there, but half bombed out. But in this bombed-out, cold building, we found a few of the saints still holding their services. We were thrilled, as were they, at our meeting, even though we could understand little of each other's language. We did understand that throughout the war, they had kept the church alive under almost impossible conditions set forth by the Nazis. They had met as they could and where they could. I will always remember one frail sister who had struggled to keep the records of the church intact in spite of several Gestapo grillings. So we met with them and helped them as we could. And soon it was Christmas time in Germany, where many of our Christmas traditions started and where Christmas had meant so much. But this bleak, cold winter of 1945 held little hope for the German people, let alone Christmas. By this time, our five had grown into a small servicemen's group, and I was privileged to be the group leader. As Christmas approached, we decided we would do all we could to help the German saints in Frankfurt have Christmas. We started saving our PX rations. We wrote home for packages of food, clothing, and toys. And on Christmas Eve, we arranged for a Christmas Eve meeting at the bombed-out mission home. There were probably 50 or 60 people there, as I remember. A few men, more women and children. The spirit of that meeting was wonderful. We sang and talked about the birth of our Savior and his divine mission, and then we gave them simple, everyday things for us— warm clothing, some food and candy, toys for the children. But these were things they'd been without a long time. 
Their gratitude and joy could hardly be expressed to us. And most of all, it was meaningful to them that we were still brothers and sisters in spite of a long and cruel war that made us, in name, enemies. That's your father. That's my father. Yeah, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, thanks for Greatest that. generation. Yeah. We ba- yeah. baby boomers, I don't know if we measure up, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we all, tr- we all try, right? We all try. Yeah. Uh, well, I would do it. Let's um, maybe another selection to, to uh, end this segment of the program, the first segment. Okay, Tom, this, this kind of ties in with that last reading. Um, this is from The Sound of Music, My Favorite Things. A few of my favorite things. Uh, that's wonderful. Thank you. The Lightwood Duo is Mike Christiansen on guitar and uh, Eric Nelson on uh, clarinet. And uh, we have with us in studio uh, playwright, theater professor uh, Tim Slover. Uh, it's the Axis Utah Holiday Special. We're going to take a break now and uh, come back with much more. Do stay tuned. Cruise into the new year with Utah Public Radio this year as we welcome a brand new decade and celebrate with all of you. It will be an evening of fine dining, live music, dancing, comedy, cruise ship-themed photo ops, and plenty of good company. That's December 31st at the Vineyards at Mount Naomi Farms. Head over to upr.org for more details and to get your tickets before they sell out. That's upr.org for tickets, and we hope to see you there. This is Kate Salinas with your community events. Upcoming, we've got quite a few different holiday events happening. On Stage Ogden presents Utah Symphony, Here Comes Santa Claus. On the evening of December 23rd, the Utah Symphony will perform some favorite holiday songs at Peary's Egyptian Theater at 2415 Washington Boulevard in Ogden. Concert starts at 7. Holiday Nights is a holiday experience held in four locations. Jordanelle State Park, Utah Lake State Park, Willard Bay State Park, 
and Russ Freeman Park in Idaho Falls. Holiday Nights consists of more than 1.5 million lights, vibrantly wrapped Christmas trees, more than 40 animated displays and exhibits, visit with Santa, nightly entertainment, and local treats for the whole family. Holiday Nights will take place from now until Saturday, January 4th, from 5 to 10 p.m. at each location. 2020 is almost here, and Democrats are getting set for another debate over key issues like health care. I do think it is appropriate to acknowledge that taxes will go up. And who can beat President Trump? And if you think a woman can't beat Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi does it every single day. I'm Michelle Martin. Join us for live special coverage of the PBS NewsHour Politico Democratic Debate from NPR News. Thursday evening, beginning at 6, here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to the Access Utah Holiday Special. We have with us Lightwood Duo, which is Mike Christiansen on guitar and Eric Nelson on clarinet. And in studio with us, uh, University of Utah theater professor, playwright uh, Tim Slover. Uh, so we have music and readings uh, for the season. Glad you're, you've uh, joined us. Let's, uh, to start out this uh, segment, the second segment of the program, Tim Slover, let's hear something. What are we going to hear? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was uh, one of the most famous American poets, actually one of the most famous Americans of the 19th century. Walt Whitman, the poet genius of the next generation, called him the poet of melancholy, courtesy, deference, poet of all sympathetic gentleness. Longfellow was deeply troubled by the outbreak of the Civil War. And in a corresponding personal tragedy, his beloved wife, Frances, died a few months after the war started. While sealing an envelope with wax, her dress caught fire, and despite her husband's desperate attempts to save her, she died the next day. Longfellow wrote nothing for two years. And then he wrote this, which was um, a poem that combined for him the national and personal misery that he was feeling. We sing only some of these verses now as a Christmas carol, and I just want to... alert viewers or listeners, sorry, that um, there's a, a moment where it talks about black mouths. It's talking about cannons, metal cannons. Christmas Bells, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 1863. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men and thought How, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till the ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Oh, beautiful. It, it takes on some depth with those added, not added verses, but the verses we don't normally sing. sing I love know. that mm-hmm. hope returned at the end, yeah. chance of hope. Yeah. Appreciate uh, having that background as well. I didn't, didn't know that. Yeah. It was the background of that of that. Uh, well, we know it as a song, but uh, that poem. Right. Well, thank you. That's Henry uh, Wadsworth Longfellow. 
Uh, Lightwood Duo, what, what do we hear next? Okay, this next tune we'd like to play, Tom, is a, um, an original piece. Uh, several years ago, about this time of year, I was asked by a uh, publisher if I would write a, an original piece for uh, classic guitar for a publication that was coming out called New Music for Classical Guitar. And uh, they gave me free reign on, on the style I could write and the title and everything. So I wrote this piece and uh, decided to call it Dreamcatcher. And I named it um, Dreamcatcher, not after the Native American Dreamcatcher, but because uh, that year, and that time of year reflecting back on it, um, it seemed like I was able to catch a lot of dreams. And I think this time of year, um, many of us reflect back and think of the dreams that we were able to catch. So this is called Dreamcatcher. That's beautiful. That's uh, Mike Christiansen's original composition. Yes. Uh, Dreamcatcher. Yeah, yeah no, thank, thank you. you. Uh, you said, Mike, that uh, this time of year uh, you're able to capture your, remember your dreams, I guess? Yeah, well, a lot of dreams come true during the year. For, okay, for, yeah. all, for all of us. And, yeah, uh, that's wonderful. When we're able to reflect and think of those dreams we were able to catch, that's a very special thing. Yeah, it is. Before we go to the next section from Tim Slover, I wanted to <clears throat> talk about traditions, uh, holiday traditions, uh, Christmas traditions. Um, I'll start with uh, Tim Slover. Um, uh, we talked about food earlier, food traditions. Uh, what about non-food traditions? Well, um, we lived in Germany also when my dad was in the Army in the 60s, and um, we picked up a lot of those German traditions, and we still have them. So the Advent wreath, you know, with the candles. Um, each uh, each candle for each Sunday of Advent, we do that. So we have little little um, get-togethers on Sunday nights and 
light the candles. And the big one is coming up this, mm. this next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great tradition. Yeah. Uh, Eric Nelson, what, uh, any well, traditions? Well, things change over the years. All three of our grown children are now living far away, one in Georgia, one in West Virginia, and one in Sweden. And so if any of them can come home for Christmas, that's really a nice thing. But instead, we did Thanksgiving in Savannah this year, which was really nice to see all of them. So it's going to be a quieter Christmas this year for us. We'll probably spend some time with my 95-year-old mother-in-law, and that will be nice. And then, of course, we look forward to the new year and all of that, and we're especially excited to have our rock band playing for UPR's New Year's Eve party Oh, that's year. right. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> so I had to get a plug-in for that well, one. Thank so you. Mike thank and you. I will join three other musicians and rock the <laughs> night away. Uh, yeah, I think you go to upr.org and uh, pick up tickets for that. So thanks, thanks for that plug. I'd forgotten to do that. Uh, Mike Christiansen, what uh, traditions do you have? I mentioned the pudding uh, that we have, and uh, there are many, many other Danish traditions that we uh, that we celebrate uh, during Christmas. But I'll mention a couple. We have uh, before the dinner. There's an ornament by um, everyone's plate, uh, and that ornament is wrapped, and that ornament signifies something special that happened to them during that year. And then uh, after that ornament is opened and everybody uh, shares their experience uh, with everyone and why they got that ornament, then that ornament is placed on the family tree downstairs with all the other ornaments we've collected over the years. And uh, and several other the traditions that we do, we um, after or right before everyone opens uh, their presents from the family, not from Sandy, he comes the next morning, but family presents that night, we all sing around the tree, hold hands, and sing carols around the tree. Oh, that sounds that's a lovely tradition. It's it's yeah. great, yeah. wonderful. Well, Tim Slover, what do we hear next? Well, listening to uh, Mike's that I love. Dreamcatcher. Gosh, I love that. Thank you. And that's emboldened me. That was an original. That's a new piece, the original piece from him. So each Christmas, I like to write what I think of as a persona piece um, uh, that uh, where you take on another personality and speak in that person's voice. Uh, so this is the world premiere of uh, written exclusively for this, this program, uh, this year's piece called The Twelve Last-Minute Gifts of Christmas – with explanations. You know that excellent ancient Christmas hymn, The Twelve Days of Christmas, and how it's all about my true love gave to me? Well, first off, I want everyone to know that I'm all for getting my true love excellent Christmas presents. I mean, I'm no Oracle or Santa Claus or whatnot, but I think I speak for everybody the world over when I say that we all want our true loves, be they man, woman, or choose-your-own-adventure type, which I believe is what individuals who are translating now like to be referred to as, to be able to say, like the sacred Christmas song says, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me dot, 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 fill in the blank, right? And I'm all for upping the ante every day after that for the next 11 straight days. Because what man-slash-woman-slash-adventure type doesn't thrill to know that their true love has been thinking of them pretty much every moment for 1,036,800 seconds, which is how many there are in 12 days, and proving it every day with increasingly stupendous retail items, the kind of items that say, hey, true love, I've been giving serious, prolonged thought to your hidden deeps, and here are some excellent commercial goods to prove it, so stand back and be totally acknowledged. But the problem for me at the moment is that I haven't done any of that, and it's now Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. I know, I know, but what with one thing and another? And I have lots of commitments. I'm a busy man, which now I've let that cat out of the bag. I am. I'm a man named Charles. Or Chuck will do. Let's be friends. And even though my true love, who full disclosure, is actually Sally, which we're boringly hetero, what a cliche, right, couldn't be any truer or lovelier, I haven't got around to expressing my complete romantic fidelity and knowledge of her inmost hopes and dreams till now. And so we're clear, now is now 5.01 p.m. But I've looked up what stores are still open. And I think I've drawn up a pretty good list so I can surprise Sally tomorrow morning with her true love presence all in one fell swoop. I'm not saying my list is perfect, but I'm saying guys... Gals, adventure types, you might want to follow my lead here if, like me, you're sensitive and responsive and definitely your true love's true love, but hey, also like me, you're a little or actually entirely short of being able to prove it with tangible, solid stuff yet. And it's now 5.02. So here goes, okay? Uh, let's work together, everybody. Relationships are at stake, right? 
for 12. And why not start big? I'm thinking 12 boxes of cold cereal. You cannot have too much cold cereal on hand. That's a straight fact. And I'm not talking about the little cereal boxes where you open them up and pour the milk straight in and eat right out of them if they still make those. I'm getting my true love and assortment of 12 full-size, well-within-the-sell-by-date, brand-name boxes. So like actual Frosted Cheerios, not the whatever O's store brand crap. All pre-sweetened, of course, because what kind of present is it if you have to add your own sugar? Not the kind a true love would give is what kind. Okay, 11 hair scrunchies. Now, this may work better if your true love is of the female variety like my Sal, but I'm betting they're actually pretty useful for everybody, probably. Be creative. And based on my research, glancing around our condo, a true love can't have too many scrunchies. Going to look for Christmas-themed ones, naturally, or maybe Frozen 2-themed ones, since pretty much all true love's going to be sitting there behinds down in that particular sequel. Am I right? Ten paint color swatches. Man, I'm glad I thought of this one. You get some great colors like eggshell or frosted Merlot or hint of Capri, and what it says to your true love is, hey, I'm thinking of some serious upgrades here in the condo. Let's dream together. Nine eggs. Now, this is pretty fiendishly clever. Here's how it's going to go. It's like we're at number nine, and I hand Sal what looks like an ordinary egg carton, and she'll get that I'm way smarter than you look on her face that she gets because she knows we're at nine, but what she's holding in her hands is really clearly a box for a dozen, or put it another way, 12 eggs, not nine. Get it? Oh, she'll say, is your math off again, Chuck? Which is one of her favorite true love jokes. But then I'll say, just open the carton, my true love. And she will, and then she'll get the big surprise. What it is, I've taken three to five eggs out, so the number will be actually correct. Whoa, like that Beatles song, if you're still playing the White Album, number nine, number nine, Paul is dead. Hmm, mysterious, intriguing, my dear Watson. What could it all mean? Actually, I have no clue what it means, but my mind blanked on nine, and everybody loves a holiday enigma, right? Okay, got to move faster now. Those stores don't stay open just because your heart is pure. Eight gift certificates to Texas Roadhouse, because when you're happy, your true love is happy, right? Seven cases of Diet Coke, no explanation needed. Six-month subscription to ESPN+, Plus. ditto. Book of coupon for five car washes. I will lie to you. This will set you back a few bucks. But it'll totally bowl your true love over because do women ever wash their cars? That's probably sexist, but do they? Do gay guys or adventure types? That's actually a legit question because I've got no, no clue. But anyhow, now they all can, thanks to their true loves. Four Costco-sized bottles of ranch dressing because what is true of cold cereal is true of ranch dressing. Three, promises to do things. Here's where your craft skills swing into play. What you do is get some nice cardstock and a fancy pen that's not blue or black ink and make three separate, it's really important day be separate. Don't skimp, bro, or sis, spelled with two S's, or adventure type of your preference. Go the full three separate cards. And on each one is a promise you've handwritten of stuff you hate doing but your true love really likes. Oh, man, can you imagine, I don't know, the joy or glee or whatnot? You're promising to, like, go dancing or eat Mongolian barbecue or watch Call the Midwife or some horrible thing. And why? Because true love, right? And like all promises, it's the thought that counts. Two new Christmas ornaments for next year, but they can be used tomorrow, too. Man, are these cheap right now at Lowe's, just saying. And last but not least, for your true love, which you can also get at the checkout at Lowe's, one $10 off coupon for a Peloton exercise bike, because that's how much you care, right? Okay, ladies and gentlemen and adventure types, it's 5.05. Let's hit the stores. (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Uh, who who of us has not been there, right? <laughs> I've been to Seven Eleven uh, late on uh, Christmas Eve. Before. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. That's the original piece, Tim Slover. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have about uh, five uh, six minutes left in in the program. So uh, another song from uh, Lightwood Duo. Okay, we'd like to play um, a medley of Silent Night and Have Yourself a Merry Christmas. Um, as many people know, Silent Night was originally written on the guitar, so it seems appropriate to play a, a guitar solo to Silent Night. I'm going to play a very kind of a simple version, and then as Tim was mentioning, adding sugar to things, we're going to add a little sugar to Silent Night and then uh, have yourself. 
Beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen. We're just about uh, down to the end of the, the program, so I think we'll at this point we'll just uh, say our goodbyes and our Merry Christmases and Happy Holidays. Um, we've been uh, hearing from uh, the Lightwood duo, Mike Christiansen and uh, Eric Nelson, guitar and clarinet, uh, respectively. And uh, so, Lightwood duo, on to, I'm sure you're playing a bunch of Christmas New Year's gigs. Yeah, we've uh, got one coming up uh, right after uh, this broadcast. So, all right, uh, we've got a, a show then, and then uh, we do the Christmas Eve. We've got a couple of other things before that, and we do Christmas Eve at the airport. So, yeah, and then the two of you will be at the UPR uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, we party. will, yes, we will. Yeah. Yep, yeah, get tickets for that at upr.org. That'll be a great time. Yeah, uh, you can find out more and get uh, CDs and such at lightwoodduo.com. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Tim Slover, um, teaching students, and I'm, I'm sure heading to London before too long. Uh, in March, yeah, in March, our yeah. next trip uh, with, uh, with grown-ups. Uh, uh, all uh, grown-ups are welcome. This one, not, not a student one. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we're going to go home, and I'm going to go home. We're going to buy a Christmas tree today. All right. It's going to be the day. Hey, this is the day. Yeah. All right. Very good. <laughs> and tomorrow evening, we premiere um, for this uh, season, uh, Christmas Chronicles, written by Tim Slover. Hurrah. Uh, 7 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, well, General Lightwood Duo, can you play us out with something? You bet. The most popular Christmas song of all, and probably the one that sells more sheet music of any other Christmas tune. This is White Christmas. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard and streaming online at upr.org.